Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jules Ellum from Catalyst Plus, and you're listening to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. Tell us a little bit about your business and your journey. I began Catalyst Plus in 2011, um, and that was mainly when the when Zero came out, and it was a fully fledged product. And I felt like I could actually help it um, family business grow. Um, prior to that, I was working with large corporates, either in public practice, helping them with their leading edge advice to maximize business strategy, keep more money in their pockets, or through corporate fraud investigations. Um, Probably, I think it was around 2005, 2006, I came into the advertising industry as part of finance departments. And even though it was a cool industry, I realized that I was quite unhappy because I just kept bouncing between um, client, um, companies there because all I felt like I was doing was helping large business make heaps of money, save on tax dollars and screw the little people. Um, so I started life in a small town and growing up, my parents worked for family run business and it was our lifeblood. Um, I saw the business owners struggle and my first accounting job whilst I was at uni was with a single partner firm. Um, we provided value, valuable tax advice to those family run businesses. So I soon realized that I wasn't cut out for the cookie cut of corporate life. Um, and the part of my day that I really loved the most was when I would carve out some time to help the small business suppliers and getting their business set up correctly so and their finances in order and I did this on the on on the side kind of thing um, in order to help them get paid quicker by my employers um, I just realized that small business owners weren't getting proper advice and they were doing things so wrong so yeah I formed Catalyst Plus back in 2011 to get back to my roots and provide high-end accounting advice and commercial value to family-run business. Excellent. What a story. So you've been a client of ours uh, for close to 18 months or coming up to two years this year. Do you know? It's gone quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to give us an overview of your team structure locally and then with your team that is with us over in the Philippines? I'm now the only Australian working for Catalyst Plus. (laughs) Um, It might change, who knows? But right now um, it's just me and my five TOA team members. Um, I've got two seniors, one who um, does all of our compliance and helps me with all the calculations for advice and another senior who um, oversees all of our bookkeeping and payroll. And then I've got two graduates that work with those two seniors and I've got an EA. So I've had, I've had my two seniors, I, I ripped the bandaid off and I hired two people at the same time, um, which you guys thought I was a little bit crazy doing, but it was a good journey. Yeah. 
Excellent. We'll talk a little bit about your journey to get to having an offshore team a bit later. But I know one of the interesting things is, is that we've been analysing clients a lot lately around what successful clients have done. And a successful client has always started with two, which is interesting. Mm. Um, so start with yeah. two and then they grow along the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I seriously think that it was one of my critical success factors and, and it was like in my TOA journey. Um, and I did it unwittingly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Others can learn from that. So Julie, a question around, do you have a niche or type of clients that you look after? Um, I mainly specialize in strategic commercial growth for service-based business. Um, and, and like I've told you, um, I've got a bit of addiction with coffee. So I have a couple of like well-placed cafes around my usual haunts to make sure that my, my caffeine dealers are still um, pumping out the coffee for my travels. So yeah, I've got a couple of cafes, but mainly it is service-based business. Okay, excellent. So the story of setting up your offshore team, what were the original motivations behind doing this versus obviously all the other priorities that you would have as, a, as an accounting business owner? I started my offshore team out of pure frustration. I, was, I admit I was initially resistant to having an offshore team. Um, at, at the time, I was living in a regional town in the Upper Hunter, um, and, and I believed that my clients and my clientele were very resistant to non-Australian help. The straw that really broke the camel's back was around two years ago. Before that, um, as my business grew, um, I started in Sydney and, and I had um, a couple of Sydney accountants that were helping me and they were working from home. Um, but I ended up realising that I was paying them to be stay-at-home parents or stay-at-home housewives, which um, was frustrating beyond belief because the work just wasn't getting done. I decided um, to get an office in my regional town, hire a couple of local people. And I, in, in a 12 month period I, um, for a receptionist slash bookkeeper assistant, I went through five employees. Um, at that time I was easily working 60 hours a week and I was always constantly picking up the slack and just work wasn't going through. So it was, pure frustration and I found that it was difficult for me to get local talent because um, like I was living in a mining town so you know like people get paid six figures to drive a Tonka truck Um, and and that was really hard to get quality staff um, to to go with that Um, and the real deal breaker for me was I had like, I was going to zero con, I think it was not last year. It was a year before. So yeah, 18 months ago, September, 18 months ago. And my receptionist resigned the day before I went to Brisbane. She had organized my flights. She had organized my conference um, attendance, the booking. It was about four o'clock that afternoon that I found out I didn't have accommodation for the night. Um, so I was a little bit miffed (laughs) and (laughs) which is politely saying it, Nick. Um, and, and yeah, so, so then I, um, I then just was beside myself and whilst I was at the conference, it was perfect opportunity for me to ask around how uh, other 
small accounting firms getting the right talent. Um, it, I was very much like a dog with a bone. It was the only thing I talked about the whole 24 hours I was there. And in hindsight, it was probably a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> so if you're listening and you were one of those people that I was talking to, maybe ranting to, um, <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Um, but Tower was recommended four out of five times um, during that. So that's where I got my introduction um, to Tower, and the rest is kind of history. So that was in September 2018. Fast forward, I think, if you go forward, your team member started in November that year. Yes. So it was relatively yeah. quick. So how did you go about getting set up? Obviously, we met you at the event, but what was the process and how long did it take to get up and running? September, um, I think I had a meeting the following week, like a proper meeting with the TOA account manager um, within... Within the month, we had, um, like, there was a few things that I was like, oh, let me get my head around, um, you know, like, and, and I had already had offshoring with other clients, um, so I was kind of aware of what was involved. Um, so I, I had offshoring for another client that did a lot of customer service in the Philippines. Um, so I was aware for the upfront costs and stuff like that. Um, but I suppose it was just jumping over that hurdle of what I thought the clients were saying um, or I thought that the clients would say. That process, it was about a month. And then I started recruiting in early October. Then, yeah, my first team member started in November. Nice and quick. That's good. Yeah. So for and, then, and then I was over in the Philippines in December. So for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them to move as quickly as possible? And what would be the three most critical things that you would spend your time on? My biggest regret is that I didn't offshore earlier. I was too busy worried about what other people would say, what they'd believe in me and what my clients would think of me. So I think the three most critical things that you need to do is to remember to stay in your own lane. Um, so that's number one. Remember to stay in your own lane. Everybody has seen those crazy car drivers on a freeway that like chop and change lanes. And then even if you're the one that's steady in your own lane, you always end up catching them at the traffic lights. So if you are going to deliver quality work, your clients will thank you. They don't care where the work is done. So stay in your own lane. Um, the second thing is to make sure that you hire the right person for the right seat on your bus. Um, this one here is absolutely critical because in my view, we don't actually get trained on how to hire the right people. Um, we don't necessarily get trained on, um, you know, like hiring anybody other than somebody like ourselves. But the problem is when we're creating a team, we actually need to look at ourselves and see where our strengths and weaknesses lie and then hire the people to fill the gap for our weaknesses. Um, and that's how you build a strong team. So um, you have to be super clear on what the actual job is that you're recruiting for and, um, and then look for the person that fits that criteria. So um, an example would be if you're going to hire a bookkeeper, 
You want to look for somebody who absolutely loves in their being attention to detail, a meticulous attitude, enjoys having a repetitive routine, somebody who's tenacious but kind at the same time, um, and somebody who is highly organised. And when you're interviewing those people on Skype, as we do with TOA, it's, it's really difficult to get, get a, a feel for that um, without being face-to-face. -face. So things that I look for um, when I'm looking for a bookkeeper is somebody who has that perfect outfit. Like they'll be color-coded throughout. They'll be like little spots of color, but that little spots of color will be like in their tie or in their earrings or whatever. It, it just permeates throughout. And they'll also give really good examples of um, how they've found and corrected granular problems in their, their interview question. And when I ask them about what their ideal weekend will be, it will be highly organised, even though there will be a bit of spontaneity involved. But that's, that's kind of how I look for the person that would fit that job if that makes sense um, and then my third absolute critical hands down non-negotiable is to always 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 hire a happy person um, I've tried to go for aptitude um, but it's the attitude you can't you can't fix so Marie Folio, um, a thought leader she always says everything is figure outable which means you can teach or learn anything and I also say that everything is fixer-uppable. So, um, you know, like nothing that we do as accountants actually save lives, but it is the attitude that we cannot change. Um, if somebody, if I can't get somebody to laugh or tell a joke in their interview, despite them being nervous, I will not hire them. So yeah, that's my three, that's my three things. You know, I love that. And I think there's so much that you could take out of that, particularly around the type of person that you re you recruit, but actually having a strategy for what is the person that you want to hire. Because a lot of the time when we go through this process, the people, the accounting firms that we're talking to love the concept of offshoring. And then the question we ask them is, all right, what roles do you need to fill within your business? And they their response back a lot of times is, well, what roles do most other people do? As opposed yeah. to <laughs> having a clear plan around, well, these are the these are the roles and tasks that we need to get done and we need someone mm. to fit within that. Yeah, and, and to be honest, Nick, where I started with it was I made a stop doing list. Um, okay. So a stop doing list is all the things that I know that I'm really good at doing, but I can't stand doing it. Like, so you know, 20 years as an accountant, I can bookkeep, I can do payroll with my eyes shut. Do I want to be doing it? No, I absolutely hate it. Can't stand the repetitive nature of it. Um, so, so I started making that list of all the things that I was doing in that 60 hour week that I just went, surely I can train somebody else to do this. And then ultimately focusing on, on the few key areas that me and only me in my business can do. So, and, and every couple of months I do that stop doing list again, say, what am I actually doing in my day? Um, and then figuring out what I need to stop doing. And, and that's how you can start figuring out who you need to hire as well. Yeah, I love that. And I think Dan Sullivan um, talks about your unique ability 
And, mm. you know, that really leads into that. You only do the work that you're really good at and then build a team of capable people to do the areas that you're not good at, which is the areas that they are good at. Um, yeah. It also means that you can add the most value to the people you serve who are your clients when you're focusing on the right activities. Um, exactly. Yeah. And that's something that I talk a lot about because some, a lot of um, businesses also promote people up the, the, the value chain, you could say, up from, you know, mm -hmm. an intermediate accountant to a manager to a partner, when in some cases they're really, they're a good manager. They should never be someone that sits in front of clients. Yes. But, but equally yeah. they hold back people that are really good in front of clients that are people people. They're not great technicians. The time. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's something that I, yeah. I love exploring within businesses to go what are people's unique skills and where are they most capable and putting them in the right areas it's taken me a lot of failure to actually understand that like a lot of failure <laughs> you know five five employees in one in one year like you know that was just me picking the wrong people time after time after time and then finally, when I just went, hang on a second, and like in, in my journey of hiring those two people, I went, hang on a second, I've got a very unique skill set and I'm not going to find that skill set in one person. So I need to hire two people. I need to hire somebody that has had the public practice side and I need to hire somebody that's had commercial accounting side to support me in those two um, areas of, of the unique offering that I give our clients. And it takes a lot of experience in that. And it's something that we don't get trained in. And the easy and, and the easy way is to try to find somebody like us because we only think that somebody like us could actually solve the problem that we have, but we forget that everybody's unique. So look at your weaknesses, look at the things that you shouldn't be doing, and then start start your your job list from there 100 percent agree so if you had a word or a phrase to describe your offshore team what would it be definitely freedom definitely peace of mind creating that safe pair of hands for my clients i think um is is probably brings it all together yeah that's a good one. Now we've spoken a little bit about this already, but do you have a people yeah. strategy map? What do you see the ratio of team members onshore to offshore being in the medium to long term? Okay, so I don't have that mapped formally, I suppose. Um, but but I have like three main key areas that I look towards when I'm building my team. The first one is that everyone has a backup. So if somebody goes on holiday or they get sick, somebody else in the team can pick up the slack. And that includes me. Like, um, so that's why I hired two people to like do my unique offering for, for my clients. Um, so, and all of our routines, we have them mapped. We use um, a software called Monday, which is kind of like a project mapping um, um, thing and we have different boards for different types of projects so um, nothing gets left and our routines are mapped so if somebody is suddenly away um, we can just pick up and move on um, the second strategy that I had was that I originally hired two seniors um, and at the time I wasn't I wasn't aware of um, how 
fortunate I was to hire a CPA until I went to the very first conference, um, Itoa Ignite conference in 2018. Um, and then we learned about how hard it is to get your CPA in the Philippines. Um, so I hired two senior team members um, to cover the two main areas of my business. So advice and compliance and bookkeeping and payroll. Um, and now that I've got those strong team leaders, we only hire graduates um, going forward. There's like, I suppose the reason for that is I just wanna be constantly building up skill sets for people. And it leads me to my third strategy, which is um, I myself am the first generation in my family to have a university degree. Um, so my sister and I were the only ones in my family that um, got a uni degree. And I know firsthand the impact of getting an education and having somebody to believe me. It, it helped helped me land my first job with Ernst & Young um, back in 2000. And, um, and it provided such a massive difference in my life. So wherever possible, like that is just one of my little pet projects, um, wherever possible, I do hire a first generation university graduate um, and then encourage them and coach them to, um, to better their lives and better their family lives. So yeah, yeah that's, so that's awesome. pretty much my strategy. So the next year or the year ahead, what is your plan with your team and how do you plan to keep growing them, their capability and their performance? Mm. Um, oh, these, look, these last two years I've hustled and I've hustled really hard. Um, I've built a business with, you know, from turnover around 250 a year to um, 500 um, thousand so and I've done that from two employees to now having six employees and that includes me um, in that same time period um, combined I've had some pretty insane business situations that I am still dumbfounded that I've managed to get myself into um, and also some pretty intense personal circumstances so um, so last year's um, Towers Ignite conference in December really got me thinking. We had like four amazing um, speakers and, and I kind of went, if I take all of their elements and go bullseye in the middle, um, like critically look at what I'm doing with myself and, and my business um, and who I wanted to be as a leader. Um, so these past six months, I really kind of stopped and revisited how much is enough. Um, and there's a great book called Small Giants by Bo Burlingham, which is kind of also coming to my life at the same time. So um, I think like I, I realized there was an easy way and a hard way to make money. So there's an easy and hard way to make money. And, and I've been doing it the hard way. So um, I really want to enjoy every single day, both work and life. And, um, and I also want to make sure that the people I'm working with are a pleasure to do business with. So, and, and my team have also kind of come to that same realization. Um, like we had some clients that were just nothing we did was ever going to, to cut the mustard for them. If, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and, and I wanted to make sure that my team were happy to work with me as well. So I've made some really 
tough choices, um, got rid of some really high paying clients. Um, and I sucked one client that was paying us 90 grand a year um, and just went not up for it. This isn't, this isn't what we want to do. We're focusing on quality workmanship and swift performance um, for our clients. And, and in doing that, like we're investing in our team. So um, my, two, my two graduates are talking about their CPA um, and that's something that we're really, really like pumped to be helping them to hopefully go through. Um, COVID-19 has kind of, you know, caused a few hassles with that. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I want to be focusing is on the team that I have at the moment get them to the skill level that they want to be so that even if they're not working with me, they're better off um, in the future. So um, that's kind of where I'm focusing my efforts at the moment. Yeah, that's awesome. And I always say, I have a saying that, you, you know, someone may stay with you for 10 years, someone may stay with you for two years, someone may stay with you for the life of the business. No matter how long they stay, when they, when they leave, they leave a better person. Um, yes. And that's a big focus I've always had. You know, I don't know about you, Nick, but I know that myself that I've been in work situations where I've left because I've just felt like nothing I did was going to be okay or whatever. And then to go to um, like work with somebody else that actually valued you is, is just, it's chalk and cheese, you know, and, and it just encourages you to want to be so much better. So yeah, it's, you know, there's a kind way to do business, and then there's an there's an asshole go for um, <laughs> go yeah, for the way. money way. And I'm I'm all about karma and kindness needs to be first. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So, what are your top three tips for managing your team? Definitely spend time with them one on one every day during your onboarding period. Um, I focused on blocking out time. Like, so when they were joining me, um, like in my business, um, the first week I blocked out morning and afternoon to spend time with them. Um, that was, that was important. Um, and then I got myself over to the Philippines ASAP and I spent a week with them to, to really break down that, um, I don't know how to call it other than the VIP barrier. Um, it's kind of like, oh, I'm working for this important person overseas. And there was a little bit of um, misconception, I suppose, of how, how important my time was or I, I don't know. I, it's just working differently. Um, so I kind of broke that down um, quickly and that's important in your onboarding time. Um, the second thing that is really important is doing a daily check-in with your team. Um, so um, the Vern, Vern, what's his last name? Vern Harnish. Harnish, yes. Yep. So he does his daily stand-up. Um, so, you know, something good, something that challenged me and what you're stuck on. And they also talk about a KPI, but you know, if you can just get those three things done every day, um, that's good. I must admit, I have been really bad at doing that during this COVID-19 stuff that's happened. We, we usually do that as a, um, a like group web thing, um, 
but it just wasn't quite working that way. So we're just doing it as a daily chat at the moment. Um, but I really need to get some more FaceTime with my team. Um, so it's something I can improve. Um, and then the third one was to find a project management tool. I'm kind of up in this one. I don't know, I'm, like for managing your offshore team, now starting to think, you know, like, so the project management um, tool is important. So we use Monday because um, I'm a very visual color coded list kind of person. Um, so I love using Monday, but if I'm really going to share one of my secrets, it's my angels manual, which I did a webinar with you guys um, last year. I think it was um, about how I set up my angels manual. And it's basically every time I train something, I record it using loom and we chuck it into a searchable um, intranet type thing using our Google, um, Google suite. So yeah, that's probably my fourth. Yep, that's it. And that's a big one, that one. I think the first one that you touched on around. That's probably my biggest secret. That's biggest my one. secret one. <laughs> but, you know, I'll share it. I'll yeah. share it. That's the kind of gal I am. But, yes. So with that first one around the VIP, I just want to touch on that quickly because it's that's part of the Philippines culture is the hierarchy oh, and, yeah. and the mm-hmm. boss um, mentality. And when they're working mm-hmm. for an international client, most international clients won't actually associate with them. They would have people within their business managing them. So it's a big change for them when the big boss or the owner is working direct with them. So mm. that's, I suppose, what you're talking about is, is getting them yeah. past that mentality of you're no different to them. You're just in Australia and you're the one that runs the business and owns the business. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. key because if you don't spend that time with them, then they still have this hierarchy structure in their mind and they've got to follow exactly. that. Exactly. And and I think this is probably something that's really big for um, single partner firms as well, like myself. Um, I'm the every I'm the everything of my business, right? So, um, and I think it was really good when I went over there. I I remember this one incident. Um, we were going to Jollibee, which is my favourite place over there, because <laughs> it's so odd, but um, but cool at the same time. And the curbs are a bit funny right so it's probably like day two hanging out with my two seniors and we go to Jolly Bee, and I've completely missed the curb like I've gone to step up on the curb but it's not there and I've just done this massive fall and everything and the two seniors are like oh my gosh you know um and I just got up and just like made this massive joke about it just as if I was one of them like you know same level employee yeah with them and they were like oh my god you're just like us and I was like yeah yep. so let's just you know if I'm doing something wrong you tell me so now if I'm in somebody's zero file and I'm messing around with it just fixing something I get into so much trouble and it's good because I shouldn't be doing that <laughs> it's their file it's not mine yeah it's building that relationship and I have that with my EA she calls me out all the time I mean I report to her she doesn't report to me is how I I joke and say all the time. And it has to be like that because they've got to keep you accountable for being the best that you can be for them. So, yeah. yeah no, and for your, your clients as well. So, yeah. Agree. Anyone that doesn't know what Jolly Bee is is listening to this. It is the <laughs> McDonald's of um, the Philippines. It's it's huge and you'll quickly... But it's kind of also learn. like KFC. It's kind yeah, of like... It's a blend. Better than KFC. 
Like it's, yeah, it's like KFC chicken with really, really sweet tomato. They'll just have to try it. They'll have to go there and try it. You have to come (laughs) try it. It's just in everywhere. Yeah. So, so let's talk about metrics and KPIs. What KPIs do you use to measure success of your team? I could do better with this. I could really do better with this. Um, but one of my big, so last year's um, ATO, like was our ATO performance. So before my Philippine team, um, you know how the ATO gives us how many tax returns we've filed on time and all that sort of stuff. Um, we were less than 80% and I think the benchmark is 85 and it just paved me every single year that we couldn't get this done quicker. Um, so I said to my team, if we could get over 85%, I'd be happy. And we slapped, like we slammed it in our first in our first year, we got over 90% on-time lodgements awesome. and it cost me a trip to Cebu for the whole team. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so that was important. Um, and then chargeability. So we are always looking to do on-time because um, we do project um, like monthly fees. So we want to make sure that um, the monthly fee that we've charged is right um, so we check that and we use a customer service email ticket closure rate and our Google reviews. So the, the Google reviews is new. So we're always trying to get people to give us a Google review. So, you know, got to be awesome online. Yeah. Do you, so. do you use a ticketing system for your customer service tickets or is it just an email yeah. you use to manage that? Yeah. So we use Help Scout. Um, okay. So there's, there's plenty of them out there like Zendesk and stuff. Um, if I was to do it again, because I'm a zero partner, um, I would use fresh, I think it's Freshdesk, um, cause Freshdesk has an integration that allows them to put timesheet straight onto the XPM job. Um, so, you know, if it's taken them an hour to, um, pull together and, an email um, and all the stuff, like all the documentation, then from there, Freshdesk will say, oh, you've spent an hour on this client and put it on the job. Um, so if I was to do it again, I would use that, but I've been using Help Scout for too long. Did not look for all the extra integrations. So yeah, <laughs> tip good. to the, the single partner firms out there, get onto Freshdesk. <laughs> So basically it's just use one email address. So what happens is you get one email address. So we have our angels at Catalyst Plus. Um, so that email address, anybody that emails comes in and then um, Mr. Ray, my EA, he will delegate it um, to whoever it relates to. Um, and then um, it tells us how long that email has been pending or open for. So yeah, and I get these cool little reports. That's a good one. So yeah. how has offshoring benefited your clients? This one's a bit hard to say. Um, I didn't realise it at first, but I was, and still often am, um, the bottleneck for my clients. So getting work completed, finished on time, all that sort of stuff. Like if there's something that I, I'm going to procrastinate, it'll be like that tricky calculation or something like that so now all of those those cap like all those 
you know, doing that kind of work. Um, I've got team members that just eat that stuff for breakfast. They absolutely love it and they thrive on it when I throw them a complex calculation. Like, because I've got to be in the right mindset to do it. I much more prefer to be in front of somebody um, and have, like, be the problem solver. Um, so, yeah, so now they get their complex calculations really quickly. Um, the, and, and I've also given the team the ability and permission to be the account service person. So um, each team member and even my graduates um, have certain clients that they're the go-to person for. Um, and that really encourages them to get out of their shell a little, but it also allows them to have the right answer for our clients. And, and it doesn't mean that my inbox goes crazy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably one of the biggest benefits. The, the other benefit has been the timeliness of their work. Um, now all of our monthly IASs are usually done within the week. The superannuation is paid within that week. Um, like the, the systemization and the improvement of stuff has gone really well. Um, we generally, our monthly clients, unless they're really complex, um, generally all of their tax work is done in the first two to three months of the, fin the new financial year. Um, so we're not talking about something that happened last year in, you know, this year kind of thing. So yeah, the timeliness and the quality is definitely the best. Excellent. So has offshoring been able to give you more time personally and has it given you more work-life balance? I now generally take my Fridays off because um, that's why they're a Friday. Um, <laughs> April and May this year were not so successful in that. Um, Got to love COVID-19. Um, and I also don't work weekends. Um, so whereas before, like, I was eating, breathing, doing everything work, um, could not switch my brain off from it, would wake up in the middle of the night, um, worried about something I've forgotten to do, you know. Um, now there's stuff that happens that it's not that I'm oblivious to it, but it's just like I know that it's looked after. So, you know, fortnightly payrolls, done, dusted, don't even have to worry about it kind of thing. Um, whereas oftentimes I'd be like cold sweat, wake up in the middle of the night. Have I done that? Pretty chill now. Um, hopefully going to, t like I'm, I'm hopefully going to take that two week holiday, take the bikes out, go for a road trip. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's my next goal. That's awesome. So has offshoring had an effect or a positive effect on the profitability to your business? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, I now earn personally, like personally, like I can actually pay myself a proper wage. Like I'm currently paying myself a wage closer to what I earned um, in commerce. Um, so, so that's been really good. Usually like before, before I had um, the TOA team, I would make sure everybody else got paid and then whatever was left over, I would take, if that makes sense. So I yeah. felt, like I actually felt like I was building a business for my employees, not for me. Um, so that was different. Um, and now I've got more team members that are actually helping me to get the work completed. So yeah, it's been good. That's a good one. 
So what one bit of advice would you give your younger self from a business point of view? I'm only allowed one, seriously. (laughs) Maybe two then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, the first one is that there's always three ways to get something done. So you can either do it yourself and spend a heap of time learning how to do it and making mistakes and then fixing them up and figuring out ways to improve it. Or you can do, you can start to do it yourself and then hire an expert to fix it. And that's usually way more expensive, but a little bit quicker. Or you can hire an expert right from the very beginning. It'll be quicker, cheaper and happier in the longer term. So um, hire the expert. (laughs) Invest in it. Um, I've wasted hours upon hours upon hours trying to, you know, learn my own website and stuff like that, get that sorted up front. Um, the second one is finding a mentor who has already done what you're looking to achieve is imperative. Um, so Tony Robbins, he always says success leaves clues. And for, you know, the smaller businesses out there, um, you might not be able to afford Tony Robbins, but you can find plenty of his content online. Um, there's so many really amazing thought leaders out there. Tony Robbins, Marie Folio, Tim Ferriss is amazing for offshoring. Um, he's, you know, the four hour work week guy. Um, Brené Brown, um, you know, like there's so many thought leaders out there. Um, get onto it, read books, you know, like, always improve and, and get the best, the best of the best knowledge and look for people who's already done what you think you can't achieve and then you can make it easier. Yeah. I agree. So what one bit of advice would you give your younger self from a personal point of view? I spent a lot of time doing what I thought others wanted from me or expected or what my family said, like being not what my family said was bad and then comparing myself to friends who had it all or were better than me or whatever. And I would tell my younger self to stay in your own lane, get really, really clear on what you truly, truly want. And um, there's another thought leader, Brooke Castillo. She she calls it her want match. The quicker you know what it is that you want, the quicker it is for you to say, that isn't what I want. Stop letting your ego and your pride keep you stuck in poor decisions for a long time. Just rip the bandaid off, move on and go for what it is that you want. I love all that advice. And you can tell that you're well read and, and you, you are learning and growing as a person just by the responses that you've been saying throughout all of today's interview. So um, oh, I personally thanks. love that. I mean, it's, it's very similar to what I enjoy doing. So what is the biggest myth or objection that you've heard about having an offshore team and is it true? I, I, this might be a little bit leading because of, um, you know, when I offshored, I was deaf, like I was in a real blue collar um, country town. And the, the idea was that Australian jobs were being lost and I was really, really concerned that my clients wouldn't want to continue to work with me. Their, their motto is to shop local, keep things local, you know, um, all that sort of stuff. I don't actually believe that's true. I think um, 
like in, if anything, my client base has actually increased and their satisfaction levels have improved. I had clients who were on the cusp of leaving me and then I've brought my, my TOA team in and they rave about how awesome my team are. They rave about it to all of their business friends and say, oh, you know, you're having problems with your accountant. You should have Jules and her calculator angels um, work with you because like they're just so lovely. They're so sweet. They're really onto it. They know what they're doing. Um, so ultimately your clients really don't give a brass razu. <laughs> they just want high quality work for the value that you're, you're charging them for. And, um, and yeah, they, they want you to be able to focus on the areas that matter most and to have access to you as, as their, their accountant. So um, the, the more that my TOA team allow me to have that face-to-face -face time with my team, um, my clients, the happier they are. And they don't care that they're in the Philippines. I did have some natural attrition from those clients that weren't happy that I, I had the Philippine team. Um, but at the end of the day, like they were also not um, a good match for me anyway. So, and we were having problems that were, were bigger than that, than that anyway. So, um, yeah, so I think it's a myth. And I agree. <laughs> I agree. So for someone looking to grow their business or their team, what would be the best piece of advice that you've heard and implemented that you could pass on to them? Um, right. I, I, I think we're in a really particular curious time in the economy, in the global economy, in the world right now um, with COVID-19, the across the world global economic disruptions that's going on. I think we are uniquely placed in, at this point and a lot of our com competitors are freaking out. Um, they're contracting, they're reducing their team members, they're, they're also ultimately reducing their, their um, capacity. I've spoken with other professionals that have said, you know, we've got rid of our receptionists and, you know, we've gone three weeks with no phone calls, but actually even though we've, you know, got somebody else to take those phone calls, we're finding that we're not getting those, um, those messages through. I really truly believe that now is the time for us to be aggressive um, in order for us to get a competitive edge. And if you can buy help whilst the cream candidates are available, now's the time to do it. And I know, um, Nick, there was an email from TOA that said, hey, we've got um, a lot of... Um, a lot of candidates that are at a loose end right now, um, now's the time to be hiring them. Um, if, if you've got that capability and you've got that, um, that ability to do so. And because if you don't do it now, then, you know, it's, it's only going to cause you problems in, into the future. And there's going to be other competitors out there that is thinking similar to me and saying, now, now is our time. Now is our time to deliver the best and deliver amazing service to our clients at the time that they need us the most. And that is only going to generate a lot more loyalty. Um, so 
yeah so i would get down write that list that stop doing list identify what can be automated what needs to be taught to somebody else and and if you don't have an ea now's the time to go and hire one um because we need to be thinking of our clients first and and getting more time into our own pockets and our own world and moving forward so yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I always love a quote that um, Jack Daly is a sales um, trainer and coach in the US always says, if you don't have an EA, you are your own EA. Um, oh. it's, it's an interesting man. one. Man. And look, I'm always looking at ways that I can get Mr. Ray to do a bit more for me. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, we're always figuring out, hang on a second, this email sequence, we keep, this is a, a genuine email sequence. We can automate this. What tag do we need to put on it? And yeah, we, we're always looking at how to provide that systemized approach as well and use technology to do that. Um, and, and his mindset is really great that way. But, you know, I had it in my head what I wanted to do, but I never had the time to do it. So, um, you know, and he even reminds me to eat, which is awesome. <laughs> it's sometimes little things, isn't it? Even, yeah, like sometimes he would call the cafe next door, Jules hasn't eaten, it's three o'clock, and they're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they just come in, it's like, oh, here's some food for you. So, yeah. That's so awesome. It, it's amazing. It's important. So, yeah, excellent. So there was so much um, value bombs that are taken out. I've got a list, a page oh. list of stuff as well. So really appreciate um, <laughs> your time good. today. I know that you're you got a new puppy, so it's challenging managing a puppy and work and life. And um, look, I really appreciate all the time you've given us today and all the valuable right. points that um, I've taken out of it anyway. So for anyone that's listening to this and wants to reach out and learn more about what you do or I suppose from your experiences, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, probably by email or LinkedIn is probably the best way to grab hold of me. Um, so they can email me at jalm at catalystplus.com.au um, or on LinkedIn, we have to use my proper name. So it's Julie Ann Ellum um, on, on LinkedIn. Um, but you can also follow us on Facebook um, or check out my website. So. Excellent. Yeah. We'll put all those details in the um, show notes anyway for anyone to see. So, Julie, really yeah. appreciate your time today and for You're all the value welcome. that you've added. Very welcome. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks and have a great day.